Cool, man. Well, thank you for joining. Um, so the first question I start off with is, when did you know music was going to be a part of your life? Um, you know, I don't know if it's a thing that, like, it's not a decision that anyone makes. Um, I, I grew up in kind of like a, a music-heavy um, kind of community um, where uh, we just have, like, a lot of professional professional music around the area where I grew up. Um, so I started like playing, playing music pretty early. There's a lot of home videos of me as a, like a real young kid trying to play piano. Um, and then it just kind of becomes a thing where it's like, well, I guess I learned this one instrument. I might as well go learn another instrument. Like it just keeps, as long as it's interesting, you just keep learning new instruments and then eventually you're just doing music. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, was piano the first instrument you learned? No, no. I mean, I'm what that video is from when I was like two years old. Okay, um, yeah. I, I, it's like an old. It's my great grandma's like out of tune upright piano that no one really, no one really put a lot of care into. Yeah. Um, that's still in my mom's house, and I. It's also it's just not looking good these days. Um, my dad has a has an upright as well, and it's just. It's totally out of tune. It's definitely for mm -hmm. decoration. Yeah. I mean, that's its own sound. Like if you're going to play in like a honky tonk bar or whatever, you guys have those down there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not, it's not really useful for actually like learning how music works. Cause like your one C is a totally different C than every other C on the piano. Yeah. Uh, so what was the first instrument that you learned? Uh, flute technically. Uh, I learned that in elementary school. And then um, I stopped playing it uh, for a couple of years and then um, picked up stringed instruments after that. Was there uh, any influences um, that led you to pick up string instruments or was that just part of school? Um, it was it was the, the story that you hear all the time. My buddy learned to play guitar really quick. My brother was playing drums. <laughs> uh, hey, we need a third guy to hold down the low end. All right, I got you guys. Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I picked up the bass originally. Thing were you so were you um, did y'all like start a band or anything at that time or just yeah that was that was the idea. Um, we were we kind of my that guy and my brother and I were kind of played together as a band for like six years after that, um, where we kind of learned just how to play as a band together. We did a lot of jamming, which I think helps a lot um, with with songwriting as a group. Um, and then just through different iterations, wound up all playing together until just a few years ago. Um, so y'all like kind of learned how to like create a song and song structure and stuff like that together? Yeah, it was mostly, I mean, it was mostly improv. And then we would, someone would say they had an idea for a song and then we'd try it out and then uh, <laughs> end up turning it into a jam thing anyway. Um <laughs> Which I mean, people we still do that, and in, in bands that I'm in now, um, rehearsals always end up starting with like someone plays a drum groove, and then I'm just like, oh, cool, I can play this thing that sounds like Gangsters Paradise over that, <laughs> and then kind of everyone just joins in. Yeah, that's so funny. Our rehearsals are more like someone plays 
like a Blink-182 song, and then we focus mm-hmm. on like 30 minutes trying to learn to cover when they're going to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the thing is, when, when it comes to the bands that I'm in, everyone's tastes are usually so eclectic that like if one person started playing a Blink-182 riff, which does happen sometimes, but no one else can, no one else knows what the song is and no one else can really pick it up um, just because they never <laughs> listened to it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, what bands are you jamming with right now? Um, uh, Caplight's going. Um, that's like the main thing, trying to get that, that back into kind of a normal rotation. Um, who am I playing with these days? My, uh, there were a lot of bands that I was in like, like five bands in one time at the beginning of the pandemic. And they all kind of obviously have folded over time, but there's everyone's, and now everyone's like hitting me up. Like, are you ready to play again? I was like, guys, I'm way busier than I was at the beginning of the pandemic now. Um, there's that Capite. There's my uh, my buddy Josh Kerwin has a band called To Be Frank um, that we were we were demoing uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic and he's like immunocompromised so we had to we had to quit um, but he's back he wants to do some stuff um, my buddy Adam Birch who played uh, I think he played in the toasters he played in the specials all those things um, trumpet player he's a uh, he's got some stuff he's working on he wants me to play with him so just kind of trying to get everything organized at this point. Nice. Um, when did like ska and reggae come into the picture for you? Uh, not until not until I joined the Snails, um, which was a, a band that I had with uh, my brother and that guy I was talking about earlier, um, and then Todd Fosnott and Tim, who's in Capite now. Um, we all we all went to high school together. Um, I lost track of them after we all went to college, and then um, a couple years later, um, they needed a bass player. They hit me up. Um, I was not really a, like a ska or reggae guy before that. Um, I mostly learned learned the style and genre and, and all the music. Um, after that, just like trying to keep up with those guys who had already been been doing that all their lives, you know. Yeah. Dang. That that's badass. So do you have any like major influences for like ska or reggae as far as bass players? Um. Yeah, it's hard to name names only because I don't, I don't, I'm not the guy that like sits down and reads a record sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I, I know when it comes to uh, like reggae bass players, obviously like Robbie Shakespeare is hard to argue with. And um, actually like Leroy Sibbles from the Heptones has a really cool um, bass tone to him. He, I saw a video of him playing um, Sadamasagana that just had like the heaviest feel I've ever heard. Um, so that I, as far as like modern guys I have no idea who's even playing <laughs> yeah I, I feel feel that way too a little bit just name some bands like oh the bass player from this band is really yeah, good <laughs> yeah exactly it's like um, I could wikipedia quick for you but that's <laughs> that's not very interesting podcast material <laughs> no nah, it's all good um <laughs> so I want to bring up cat bite y'all just came out with the cat fight oh yeah true cat light before so mm-hmm. like, what was the idea behind that Great question. I think um, we were we were recording uh, last year, and someone someone just made a crack about doing the first record um, as a as a punk record where all the songs are like thirty seconds long and you can't really understand the lyrics. Um, and then Tim just really liked that idea, um, so I forget. I don't remember how the cat light thing came about. Um, I think we were we were planning on doing something for the 
the anniversary or the release or this or the second pressing or something like that mm-hmm. um and that that kind of style is more my wheelhouse um so we all just kind of thought it'd be funny to do like a like an easygoing kind of version of it ahead of the the hardcore version um and then these are all this is all just done like in my in my studio that i'm sitting in now um and just like a real rush job also we did them very quickly um yeah do, well, they, they sound good do you do uh, a lot of recordings there uh no mostly cat bite stuff because no one else is really everyone else kind of has their places that they like to go mm-hmm. um like even um i have buddies who do their own solo stuff who are like between you and me not very good engineers or recordists but they'd rather they'd rather just do it do it themselves um which i'm fine with which i'm mostly fine with <laughs> um but yeah but uh yeah, I mostly do the capite stuff when we when we do demos and everything. I'm in charge of that, uh, and then we let we let the professionals take over when it's time for to make something that really counts. Um, when did you get into like recording? Uh, very slowly with with the snails mainly, um, and then when the snails turned into uh, the dull blue lights, um, we self produced our our second record there, and. Um, learned a lot through that process um our keyboard player matt mcleod obviously um has been doing this stuff since he was a teenager so i learned a lot from him uh, his gear to make this studio in the first place so oh, a lot to that yeah uh what do you have any like advice for people trying to do their own home recordings um you can do a pretty good job if it, mostly um Obviously, it's like easier than ever to make good sounding recordings without without spending a lot of money. But if you don't know like kind of the general principles behind the stuff you're doing, it's still not going to sound very good. So um, I think like there's a lot to be said for good mic placement and also having like not very much equipment, but equipment that you really trust. Um, and then after that, I hate I hate when people say this, but it's a lot of like just experimenting just like hit and miss just see what what sounds good and what sounds you like and that's obviously i mean that's down to taste that's the other thing is like if it sounds good to you that's fine man that's good (laughs) i totally agree with that and just just for your opinion how do you feel on just because you mentioned my mic placement how Mm -hmm. do you feel on like uh real guitar amps versus like vst amps i uh use a real guitar amp every time only because i also haven't experimented with it but on the hardcore record i did take a direct line and put some amp sims underneath different tones to just kind of like beef them up mm-hmm. a little bit um because i knew i wanted i knew what kind of tone i wanted and i knew that we weren't going to get there with how quickly we had to do everything we didn't have enough time to like really break everything down and really mess with stuff so i just said all right well i'll just fake it later um yeah. which is a, another piece of advice totally acceptable i know that there are all the all the old heads who like don't like that kind of stuff i think as as long as you get the sound you want it doesn't matter yeah uh, again totally agreed with that <laughs> um what, what kind of bass are you using these days uh i have a collection <laughs> um i don't know you can you can see them back in the closet there okay. it kind of it kind of comes down to my mood for the day which is stupid but it's good to be it's good to have like all the options yeah so i have my kind of like main thing i'm doing is a is a fakenbacher it's a it's a univox uh rick 403 copy that someone put the rick um 
nameplate on the headstock. Wow. <laughs> and, it, and every time I break it out, some people are like, oh, man, how old is that Rick? And I'm like, it's old. It's mm-hmm. old, guys. Let me tell you. Um, I have I have a couple. I have my like first real bass I ever bought was a was the Squire Vintage Modified Precision Bass. Um, because I thought I thought Mikey Way and my Chemical Romance looked really cool with a white bass, so I made my dad buy me that, and um, that thing's still kicking. I changed the I put some um sixty two reissue pickups on it, and it has flats on it as well. So that's like an old like thumpy Motown bass. Yeah, trying to see what else is back there. <laughs> Um, I have a, a Jay Terser um, Beetle bass, all black, which I used um, in the snails for a long time when we were doing like trad ska. That thing is still kicking somehow. It's like a seventy-five dollars Chinese copy, yeah. but it, like it thumps. It's really cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, I have an upright bass over there. I don't know. I have a lot of basses, man. <laughs> yeah, man. That that's cool. The more the merrier, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, tell my wallet that, but everything's fine. I don't know. I haven't bought a new bass since like 2008. I feel like it's been a yeah. while. Yeah, I always tell everyone like my last bass is a Fender Jazz, but we're doing mm-hmm. a street light like cover set for Halloween, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a five string, so like that was my excuse to go and and get a new bass yeah I a five string bass yeah when it's necessary i've never felt it like necessary to have the fifth string mm-hmm. um only because i would just get confused about it and play it like an e string you know yeah um but i know people have done that i forget what they call it when they put the the high c on it instead of the low b yeah that always seemed interesting to me yeah yeah but. it's pretty cool uh there's a bass player named evan brewer who does that but he's more in like a like progressive like metal yeah stuff it's definitely that definitely that kind of feel when it comes to the high c yeah just shredding yeah (laughs) yeah do thunderstruck Um, on it or something hell yeah what uh what kind of amps are you using um (laughs) i've actually been selling my amps um i have i i've found that um i've been able to cheat and backline everyone else those amps for a few years now um so i have like a couple practice amps i've i call it a practice amp i have a 62 fender blackface um basement and um that i mean that's not a gigging amp because it's not loud enough and doesn't have like a direct out or anything but it is the the sickest amp i own um but as far as like gigging i would probably use i have this like 250 watt gk head that i just run in to whatever cab happens to be laying around and it's got the it has like the contour button so it's like wicked scooped and it's just it sounds it sounds really heavy for such a cheap amp yeah that that's badass i i too just downgraded and just have a little combo of fender rumble yeah just and yeah you don't you don't need to move that much air anymore like the the pa is going to do it if you're playing the right venue yeah absolutely um too i feel like I see this more like since I've been in a ska band, like everyone is happy to like backline and share gear. Yeah. When I was in the metal scene, like, I don't know. I mean, guitar players had their own like tones and whatever. Yeah. I think it probably comes down mostly to being particular about tone. Yeah. Um, But when for, for me and our, our guitar player still takes his own amp, but uh, when it comes to bass equipment, I just like, I can get the sound I want out of whatever whatever is available 
Um, our drummer is the same way. He's like, as long as I don't have to carry stuff, I don't really care. <laughs> so uh, when you say you can get the sound you want, like how how do you do that? Like, um, well, step one is I have a Sam's amp, so it doesn't really matter in the first place. Um, and then it kind of comes down to. I feel like it comes down to my mood for the day. Like sometimes I'll take two, two bases to a show and be like, am I feeling round wounds today? Or am I feeling flat? So am I feeling like more mellow? Am I feeling like I want to do some like punk junk on this one? Um, and then from there, it's usually, it's usually I keep things pretty flat and I don't use, I don't use a lot of pedals. I'll run a compressor and I'll, I'll run an EQ if the, if the amp is crappy, but, um, but I feel like I just, I never really need to mess with it. Cause I can also, you can also change the tone so much just in your fingers and how you play. So I haven't really felt the need to get too, too technical with it. Yeah. Um, and Sansamps are amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I with one of the last, um, shows that the double lights played, um, before we split up, um, that, that GK head I was talking about doesn't have, doesn't have a line out or anything. Mm. So I put that on top of the the backliners um, A10 fridge that they had. Sound guy comes up and he's like, "What are we doing here, man? What what is what is the plan?" I said, "Don't worry, I have a Sans amp." And he goes, "Oh, thank God!" Oh, <laughs> hell yeah! Um, so I want to bring up. You said like you bring a couple of bases, like different strings and mm-hmm. stuff, um, like based on your mood, which I think is is really cool. Like, so are there? could you expect to hear like different bass tones or styles like on a cat bite show? Like if you just feel in, feel in yeah. the same way that day. Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes the room just sounds like it's going to respond to, to like thumpier laid back kind of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just like maybe, maybe roll the tone off a little bit, maybe play closer to the neck as opposed to the bridge. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's just going to need to cut. So then I'll, I'll get the rounds out, probably probably bust the pick out as well. Depends. Um, I like to you know switch it up because I go through moods. Yeah. Um, just like when it comes to playing, which which I which end of that spectrum I want to emphasize. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I I definitely feel that I haven't like. Now that I think about it, I'm just like, well, I guess I do. F- experiment with like covers because i have my kids bass i got them a sterling mm-hmm. like music man and it's a little more aggressive so yeah like if i'm trying to do some like more punky stuff i have that but i have the jazz bass for some laid back kind of i feel like even reggae. those jazz basses can be kind of like kind of punchy yeah yeah absolutely I, a lot I, of i think i like well when i do my i use an amp sim a lot um so i have like a special like a specific one I use for that that makes it real like beefy and mm-hmm. just you know got that reggae kind of feel. Yeah. Um, what have you been doing like musically during this like quarantine time? Uh, mostly um, Capite did a lot of did a lot of those um like quarantine show things or pre-recorded videos that everyone was like really excited about mm-hmm. a few months ago and then realized oh this is like isn't really scratching the itch um and i did like another one of those with the with the adam birch guy um but other than that i don't know i've been mostly like practicing mixing kind of not worrying too much about about practicing my instruments (laughs) or anything yeah um 
because I, I don't know i feel like my like skill is kind of where i where i'm comfortable with it i don't really think i need to get any better you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i definitely i i feel that man real just comfortable with where you're at yeah yeah i'm not trying to like no one's trying to be like the next jocko that's stupid just like <laughs> do what you think you're okay at it's fine yeah cool mentality i like that <laughs> <laughs> um so what do y'all have for the rest of the year into next year sure um so we have there's probably a lot of stuff i'm not allowed to talk about um <laughs> i can say we have a couple we have a couple like outdoor shows coming up which will be the first show since since the quarantine started mm-hmm. um i wish i knew whether or not these <laughs> things were announced there's some stuff we're doing in the midwest in october i think um there's some stuff in the talk for the spring as far as like touring going international um I think I can mention that we have, uh, <laughs> I think, I think we should be announcing soon. Um, Capoid's second album is coming out, uh, in beginning of August. So I'm not, I'm not bursting any bubbles there. I, hope. <laughs> I, I think, uh, Mike in bad time kind of like m- mentioned it a little bit via Twitter, but okay. not exactly saying, okay. I know we, I know we did a, we did a live stream with the, um, the people who run fest. Um, we did like a bad time records live stream with them and, uh, we were playing pretty fast and loose. I think we were like, Mike was in the, in the corner, like holding up the album cover while he was sure the camera wasn't on him and just like trusting the the tech guy to not move over to him. We played a new song on that live stream too. And we had to like make a couple cracks about whether or not Mike was going to be like excited to hear that yeah. kind of an early release thing. Hell yeah. That's exciting, man. Um, so where can people listen to you uh, or your bands? Uh, I think the Instagram is Catbite Band. It might be Catbite Philly. I don't even know. I put the phone in the drawer, so I can't even check. Um, but, you know, Catbite Bandcamp, C-A-T-B-I-T-E, all one word. Um, to Be Frank is also on Instagram. I don't, I don't think I'm on his Instagram because he's mostly like a solo artist. Mm-hmm. But his stuff is really cool and should be checked out. Um, but it's spelled T-U-B-E-Y Frank. Okay. Um that's that's pretty much it that covers it (laughs) cool man uh well thank you so much for just taking time out of your day to talk to me i'm stoked to hear uh some new material definitely gonna check out to be frank and um yeah man you just have a good day yeah you too thanks for having me yeah for sure later peace